you know, consistency does not have to be in color. If you are shooting what you love and you're being true to who you are, a black and white moody portrait can fit in right next to one of your, your daughter throwing confetti. To me there, it's the same story. It feels like the same photographer. It is the same photographer, right? That's, that's all me. And so I am trying to be consistent in, in that story. This is Allison Jacobs with the Creative Frame Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me for episode seven. Today I'm talking with Cami Turpin, and she shares so much wisdom. You are going to want to grab a cup of coffee and really settle in for this one. Cami shares about how she balances social media, connecting with an audience, and making sure that she's creating for herself. She talks about cultivating and growing confidence as an artist and photographer, and she gives lots of tips and tricks on a variety of different photography projects that you may also want to try. If you loved this episode, I would really appreciate any of your reviews on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend who you think might also love it. Let's dive right in. Hey, Cammie. Hello. Thank you so much for chatting with me today for the Creative Frame Podcast. That's absolutely. I'm so excited. I am too. I'm so excited to talk with you for a number of reasons, but I love all the things that you've been sharing, especially lately on Instagram. I feel like you're an open book, which I really appreciate because on one hand, some of the things that you share, I think to myself, yes, I can relate. That resonates. I feel like somebody else is out there and they're on the same page as me. And then other things you share, I feel like have given me aha moments and given me things to think about and reflect on. And so both of those are so helpful for me. So I just want to start by saying thank you for all the things that you put out there for all the rest of us who are following you. I'm so glad that you said that because sometimes I just think I'm talking into a black hole, (laughs) just rambling my own thoughts. But whenever I get any responses that are like, thank you for saying that, I'm I'm always glad I jumped on. (laughs) Yes, I think the social media world and Instagram world is a little bit, it can be kind of challenging when you do feel like you're talking to yourself. But I... I just want you to know that for me, at least I'm out there going, yes, yes. You know, yelling at Instagram. <laughs> I agree. Or, oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way. So thank you. Awesome. I'm so glad. So it's always good. I think just to start with a little bit of how you got into photography and what you're you know, working on right now, a little bit about you for those um, people who aren't currently following you. Okay. So I, <laughs> I have kind of a funny origin story because it started in the weirdest way. So I, um, I of course always have loved visual things. I've loved especially photography, but I wasn't really into it, especially not in high school or college or anything like that. I did music and writing. Those were my creative things, but you know, I cut out black and white pictures from magazines and had them all over my room as a kid, things like that. But photography wasn't really, and I, I always took a, I always took a camera with me wherever I went. Um, and, and really cared about taking those pictures in college or in high school or whatever, but I wasn't doing anything special with, um, you know, with the artistic side of it. I didn't know anything about exposure. I didn't know anything about composition or anything like that. I was just having fun. This is where it starts to sound cliche after I had my first baby, (laughs) but actually what was really happening was I was working full time at home with my baby (laughs) and 
I was, I sometimes just had the TV on. This is back in the days when we used to flip channels. I, I flipped onto a channel that was a reality TV show that was so, so like tacky and disgusting and stupid. I actually, I actually looked it up because it was the Anna Nicole show. I mean, she's like a playboy bunny. She had the worst, most horrible house with all this pink faux fur everywhere. And anyway, she walked into her nursery and there were these gorgeous black and white square images up on her wall of like pieces of her baby's face or her toe, the toes or just a curl of the hair. And in the middle of all of this ugly, there was this just gorgeousness. And I just went, oh, oh that's what I want for me. That's what I want. Because we'd just been going to the picture people or, <laughs> you know, kitty candids in the mall. And there were these most beautiful artwork and it was her child. And I, so I, I literally with my point and shoot and a flash took pictures like that of my son in my living room. And then on Photoshop, like put them together in a collage. And I was just so proud of myself. And that's literally as far as it went for probably 10 years is me just kind of thinking about composition on my point and shoot and doing some fun things in Photoshop because I had done Photoshop before, but never learning anything about photography. I think there has to be some sort of aha moment where we say like, that's much more beautiful than what's what I'm getting for myself right now. But it didn't, it didn't seem like something I needed creatively, I guess. And then, yeah, about 10 years later, when I had my third baby, I was just in a group of, of ladies and, and one of them was a photography group. And so I bought myself a rebel um, DSLR and my friend taught me how to do the exposure and she gave us some creative challenges. And this is long before there was any social media. I had that, that was it. I actually bought myself the book DSLR for dummies. This is, this is where I started, you know, and I got really obsessed and read everything and then practiced and then asked my friend and then read and then practiced and asked my friend and posted a few things on Flickr, but mostly I couldn't share with anyone. Um, it was really all for me. I think I had a blog and sometimes put things up there, but nobody was looking at it. And so I really feel like for me, that was huge that there was no Instagram, there was no social media. When I got started, it was all just me. And I had this chance to really figure out what I loved and how I, how I wanted to do things. And whenever I get stuck in the Instagram or the comparison bubble, I go back to those years and say, what was I taking then? What were the shots that I very first thing when I figured out how to use a camera, what did I do? And I always go back to it. And I took a giant break for a while in the middle. And kind of came back when Instagram turned into a kind of a big thing. The end of 2017 is when I joined Instagram and kind of had a new rebirth of creativity and all of that stuff. So that was long, but there you go. (laughs) There's so many pieces in what you just shared, though. I think that our important stages or steps to getting to that place where you're comfortable sharing your art and saying, this is who I am and this is what I love. And then also being able to go back and reflect on where you started and where you've been and where you came from. The other piece that you mentioned that I, I hope we can get to at some point down the road is the, the music and the, the other areas of creativity, the writing and the music, I think were the two things you mentioned that Mm -hmm. you had in your life at that time. And I think that having those other pieces of art in our life can also play into how our photography style 
develops and how it looks. And yeah, I know music is a big part having just seen you guys get your new piano. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna, I'm gonna actually start playing again. So <laughs> it's very exciting. But I do think yes, the the music and the the writing the the um, I actually went to school for editing. That's what I have my, um, my bachelor's degree in is editing for for, t- you know, editing text. So I really have always gone down the the words route. And so it was weird, I think, kind of to start seeing everything visually, but it, it makes a lot of sense to me. I talked a little bit about, I took a big break. Um, the reason I took a big break <laughs> was that I have two boys on the autism spectrum. And one of them was, you know, in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, when I kind of had to put down my camera for a while, he went through a really huge regression and it was really difficult time. And I had just had a new baby as well. So I had just gotten a a full frame camera. I was so excited to really get into photography. I had started a little business and then life just totally came to a halt because I had to just super focus on this autism stuff that was kind of just taking over our whole family. But back when I started, I I said my, my, my third, it was when my third was born. So my first two are the ones with autism and um, they didn't have a lot of language and language was my thing, right? So there had to be a lot of visual expression when I was teaching them or just with emotions, there had to be a lot of that sort of thing. And I also couldn't just take a picture, like explain to them, sit right here and smile at me. (laughs) So every shot that I took of them was, you know, their feet running away as we were taking a little hike or just the little back of their head as they're pointing at something, which point a point was a huge deal to me. So all those little things, those visual expressions were, were a huge thing. And I believe that the the focus on autism in, in my life is actually what compelled me to go from words to the visual. So I, I absolutely they're, believe they're all connected. And, and, you know, as things progressed and my kids got more language and I didn't have to focus on that so much, I was able to kind of bring it back around. And now I feel like it's all connected, all of it, the music and the visual and the words all work together for me. Yes. And I am imagining at that time, there was a lot of the posed portraits and the kids in front of the backdrops. And for you, you were having to really seek out more of that lifestyle and finding the details and finding the beauty and the point that is so, was so important, even if somebody else looking at the photo didn't know why that was important. And then now I think in your work, you also are really talented at capturing those details and those moments and the feeling of what that looks like, not the posed portrait in front of the backdrop. And you also write beautifully about your work, as I already said at the beginning, and also the reflection piece. So I think that you're right. Those do all go together to kind of help make what you're doing right now come to to life. Thank you so much. Well, and that actually, I guess I didn't answer the rest of that question that um, what my focus is. It it goes towards that same goal is, you know, I, I did when I started my business, I felt like I had to do those posed things. I live near the mountains. So we always went up in the mountains in the fall and we got some posed family pictures in some foliage and it was lovely, but I was always still taking those lifestyle pictures. I didn't know what they were called. I didn't know there was a name for it because again, I wasn't on Instagram or any photography communities. I 
didn't know what anyone else was doing in their businesses. I just was paying like charging $75 for a photo shoot and <laughs> ridiculously, you know, um, not, not charging enough and still way over delivering. I was giving them, you know, 50 to hundred photos and they just wanted the one, you know, <laughs> and I, um, because I wasn't charging enough and because I was giving them what they didn't even care about. Um, they weren't hiring me for that kind of work, but that I, I couldn't stop myself from doing it. Right. It, it, it burned out very quickly. I couldn't sustain that business. So when I came back to my business, I realized there was actually something called lifestyle photography. And I saw especially the in-home ones, which, which nobody here wants to do. But, you know, I just loved all of that. And it, it really helped me go that direction. But I realized I, I still, that's not, it's, it's still not quite what I want because it's still, let's go up in the mountains. And even if people... And I love that. I don't want to, I don't want to bag on the mountains or a lake or a beautiful scenery at all. If I lived by the beach, I'd be shooting there every day, but I wanted something that was more of that, like telling storytelling who you are. And I, I think it can be done in a family session, but I like, I really like focusing on the individuals. So one of the main things I do is school portraits, which feels like it would be the opposite of that because yeah, because it's just literally a shot for the yearbook, but I do it in a lifestyle way. So in one minute, I get at least 10 pictures of the kid and I really try to get to their personality. And I have, I have little strategies for doing that. And of course I'm not always successful, but I actually really love it. And the more I think about trying to get rid of that piece, because it's hard and lots and lots of work, I still, I just love it so much. I do mostly kids on the autism spectrum. And so just being able to give other families like a photo that actually looks like their kid, not just what they look like, but who they are, that is huge to me. And so now I'm kind of giving up families and I'm moving toward more portraiture. I'm actually building a studio in my house and I'm going to do kind of the opposite of exactly what I thought I needed to do to be telling stories, which is go back to kind of formal portraits, but also add in the creative portraits and also add in a little bit of video and also really get to the heart of who that person is. And so that's where I'm moving. And I think also that same thing with the autism and really trying to help understand who my kid is regardless of what they are doing or what they're looking like or what they're, you know, expressing, but really getting inside that has really gotten me to that place, I guess. And I think it's so important to have that focus and to know what you're offering families who might have a hard time getting those really special portraits of their kids. The fit, the families who have kids with autism may not be the ones that can go up into the mountains with the right. sort of freedom and the time frame that sometimes those sessions need to be done in. And so you having something that's at your house where the parents can bring the kids, where they can be comfortable and you can really capture the essence of who they are, I think is such a great way to serve families in your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. And, and not just for those kids, but I I feel like I always do gravitate towards the kind of misunderstood. (laughs) So my huge focus right now is the tweens, um, especially tween girls. I, that age for me is so fascinating. And it's partly because I have a tween (laughs) right now, you know, who's like my main 
muse. I feel like that was such a huge turning point for me. I love this like juxtaposition of this, like wanting to stay in childhood, but really feeling like you're growing up and you're growing up too fast and you're excited about it, but you're also really trying to still be a kid. And that kind of struggle, that dichotomy really appeals to me. And I see it a lot also in, um, in, in kids with special needs, but I see it mostly in myself, I guess, is those kind of contradictions. And, and so that really pulls me towards those kinds of stories where I look a certain way. I don't mean physically. I, what it is, is I, I look kind of like a spastic, (laughs) just fun loving. I'm not really thinking about anything kind of flippant person, surface kind of person. I guess. And then when I start to get deep, people always kind of go, whoa, I didn't know you had that in you. And it, and I, I think that sometimes I get kind of hurt by, <laughs> by that when I surprise people by actually having feelings. But I get it because I am I'm, I'm both of those things. I'm a person who's going to really dig deep into something and want to know like all of my little inner workings and why did I do that? What is my motivation here? What is all of that? But I'm also like, that looks fun. <laughs> let's, let's go do, take a picture of that because it looks fun. And, and so that I feel like a tween. I feel like one of those people who's stuck between two things. And I, instead of trying to like embrace one or the other, I just want to, I want to love all of it. That's where I want to get in my portraiture is showing all the sides of somebody where we can have this super colorful, fun, crazy shoot. And we can have this super melancholy black and white film portraits that are, you know, really moody and they can be the same person. And I, I, I love that idea. And I, even in my school portraits, try to get that in the, <laughs> in the little one minute that I have with those kids. So. And I think that's such a great point about just us as people, we all have that sort of this and this part mm-hmm. to us. Right? right. I think that social media can tend to push us to narrow down maybe what we share, what we put out there, especially with our work. I know for me, I, I think when you look at my work on Instagram, it looks bright and colorful and fun and happy yet. I shoot a lot of black and white. I shoot a lot of more of the moody, darker, quieter photos. Mm -hmm. Those don't tend to do as well. And I think it's hard sometimes to have a cohesive, body of work that you're putting out there yet. I am both of those things and I shoot both of those things and I love both of those things. And so I appreciate that you have put into words that kind of search for both. Both. Yes. You can be both. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I think that's a great segue into something I saw you posting about when all the top nine um, shares were happening about a week or so ago with the new year and people reflecting on their past work and what did well, and then looking ahead at what they want to continue to create. And I liked how you sort of separated out into categories, the top nine, what did best on Instagram, but then you went even further. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, oh, the top nine, you know, I think, (laughs) I think it's a helpful tool in some ways. Um, in past years, the top, the top nine has been kind of a huge transformative thing for me because what happened is I would look at it and say, half of these are not me. So, so, you know, there's inspiration loops and things like that. And I would be in a, I would be in somewhere we just actually looked at their entire body of work and said, what do we love about their work and how can I incorporate that into my work? And I loved those ones. Um, I always felt like the work that I got from those were, were beautiful and me. And then there were other ones where we just recreated people's shots. (laughs) And those are actually fun to do too, because it's kind of a, like, 
can I actually do that? That was an amazing shot. Could I actually do that? Technically, could I do it? And I, I found out I could. I have several shots where I was like, oh, this shot that I just remember from this person from two years ago. I wonder if I could do that. And I did it and it turned out perfect. And it was like my best performing on Instagram. And do I have an emotional connection to that shot? Absolutely not. And so I was, and, and three of them were those, they were just pictures that I had recreated of someone else or were inspired by someone else. So I edited it differently to look like their work or whatever. And, and so when my top nine happened, you know, sh- popped up with just basically someone else's work, I just said, what am I doing here? What, what, what is my point of being on Instagram? If, if all I'm going to do is recreate what I'm already seeing. And so there's, there's a helpfulness in that. But it's not what did the best. For me, it wasn't what did the best. I'll do more of that. It was why did this do the best? Is it really me? Um, But then this year, this year was a total crapshoot. So I'll tell you kind of like you alluded to it. What I did was I took my top nine, but they were all from a fluke. For example, my very top photo has 2000 likes. Now that may not seem like a lot for <laughs> for uh, people with big accounts. My account is not big enough to get 2000 likes on one photo. I don't know where it showed up. It must have been on the explore page. I don't know. It didn't even have any features until after it had that many likes, but it just blew up. So that's a fluke. The rest of the nine were in this weird bubble of three months that I had in the summer where my engagement totally went up. And I I shouldn't even say it went up. I feel like it went back to where it's supposed to be. Back when I first started Instagram, I grew very, very quickly. I went to, I did all of the things you're supposed to do. I was in pods where, you know, engagement pods. I was in loops and I was in all these groups. And I, I actually went through all of the hubs and I looked at all of the themes and then I shot for those themes and then I posted them on there and I would see someone freelancing and say, what is that? I'm going to research and I would do it. And then I would tag for all the freelancing loops. And then I would say, oh, look at this, you know, color, color theory. Everybody's doing this color challenge. I'm going to do that. I did. I, I, all of my shooting was based on posting and I really did grow very, very quickly. And it helped that I was on like a list, a click and mom's hundred photographers to watch. I grew really quickly when I was on that list. And then all of a sudden, everything stopped. My engagement went crazy down. Like I start, I went from getting 400 likes on a photo to getting barely a hundred and I didn't change anything. Everything I was doing was a, exactly the same. And, and I just was, there was nothing. And I was spending all these hours and all these, all this time. And I was driving my family crazy trying to get these pictures. And I didn't even purposely say, I'm going to grow my account. I'm going to get all these. I, it wasn't a a conscious decision. Like I'm obsessed with Instagram. I'm going to, I'm going to make that run my life, but it did. And I was, and it really took over everything. And, and I, and it was, I had these lofty goals in my head. I want, I want a breakout. Um, a click and mom's breakout. So if I'm going to have a breakout, I have to have a certain number of followers. That's an actual thing. You have to have a big enough account for them to even consider you. So that was part of it. I also wanted to feel like I was legit and I felt like numbers made me look legit. And so I cared about that. There was all these, you know, in business and also just in the photography community. If I wanted to teach, I had to have a lot of followers. How else was I going to 
get to my core audience, all of that stuff. But when I had that giant dip for no reason, it also came right after I had my breakout. I actually got the breakout, everybody. Woo. Yeah. My big goal. Right. And I did it. And it was, I, I think maybe the lowest seller of all time on Click and Moms. It's a fantastic breakout, by the way, everyone should check it out. But I, and I, and I started thinking like, what did I do all that work for? And it was kind of a, I loved my breakout. I loved the experience. The people who took it were amazing. I, it was a great experience, but it all, I had a giant letdown. Same thing when I made Click Pro, like there was this excitement and I thought, oh, things are going to start happening for me now. And then, and then, it, you know, everything was the same, or I'm sure if I get published, then, then that will change things. And I got published and then it was really exciting. And then the next time it wasn't quite as exciting. And all of the goals that I thought I was working toward were that were going to like change everything didn't do what I thought they were going to do. I think this happens to everyone all the time. We have these expectations and we meet the expectations and they just go, oh, <laughs> like that wasn't what I thought. This, this took a wild tangent, but we're going to get back to that top nine. So for about a year, I had really low engagement and it was the biggest, biggest blessing in disguise because I stopped caring about Instagram. And I realized that none of it was worth it. All of that, all of that work. And that the followers that I were getting were, were following me for something that I didn't even care about. It's not also a coincidence that this all happened at the same time that I was switching completely to film, film shooting versus digital. So that was a huge part of it. And I know my work did change. And so that also could play a role in how my engagement changed as well. But I realized I would much rather have a small and loyal following than a big following that doesn't actually care what I'm doing, or that just doesn't care about me, or that is expecting something from me that I don't want to create. And really, even more than a following, I don't, I stopped caring at all. I don't even know if Instagram is going to show my pictures to people, even the ones who care. So I just started only posting for me. It was this amazing freeing moment. So that was my first thing was when my, when my account just plummeted. That was my first idea that you have zero control. The next one was when my account magically went back up. <laughs> magically, I was getting, because I think the first, the first picture that I got like 500 likes on randomly out of nowhere was like a palm tree with a light leak. And I was like, I have posted palm trees with light leaks before. This is nothing that special. It's cool. But why did I get 500 likes on it? It's nothing like the rest of my account, really. It's not the kids. So what is going on here? And then as time went on and like a dandelion got 450 likes or, you know, then, then a picture of my daughter got much more or whatever. I was like, oh, I'm out of Instagram jail. Like this, this, that's all that happened is I got out of Instagram jail and I had this magical three months, which luckily I had grounded myself enough that I didn't care. And so I just kind of laughed you know, about it and just thought, oh, that was, that's fun. I don't, I don't really care. And then after three months, it just went back to my Instagram jail status. <laughs> so I'm back to barely breaking a hundred on most shots. I, I gained 300 followers this year, the entire year for, I have, I've only been on Instagram for about three years. 
I have 6,000, a little over 6,000, um, 6,300, exactly, followers. So I'm saying these numbers on purpose, not to brag or to bag on these numbers. I got 6,000 followers in three years. And then the next year I got 300. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's such a huge jump. There is absolutely no reason for it. And I'm not going to take it personally. And I'm not going to care about it. Would I like the little swipey up at 10,000? Sure. But I'm not going to ruin my life and shoot things that I don't care about to make it happen. And that is so much more important. And I feel like that's going to reach my audience better than, you know, the audience that I care about or me. I'm the audience that I care about, right? So I'm going to have a much more sustainable and happy time on social media. I'm, I'm going to be a much happier and much more, much more creative and free photographer if I can focus on that instead of what's going to do well. So back to the top nines. I'm sorry. I did do, I showed everyone my top nine that actually was from that three months because everything was like 500 or more likes. And then I showed what my actual top nine was. This was kind of weird and obsessive. And I probably did it at one in the morning when I couldn't sleep, but I went through my entire year and just picked out the pictures that did far and away better than the ones around them. So if I'm getting 80 likes most of the time, and then this one got 200, that's the one I choose. So I put that one in my top nine rather than the ones that actually got the most likes. And so I made that grid. And then I also made my favorites for the year. And those were the three that I thought um, were the kind of most important to show people like they, this one, none of them really matter at all, but I wanted to see if they all looked the same. I wanted to see if they were all me, if they were all something that I'm proud of. And then I actually took it further a little bit later and posted my bottom nine because I was like, what if I also want to love my bottom nine, my lowest performing nine, as much as I love my highest performing nine. And newsflash, I absolutely did. I think they're just as good, both technically and creatively. And in what I am trying to do and what I love, the lowest performing posts, absolutely. I love as much as my top performing posts, or even the ones that I chose as my favorites. So I love all things that will help you start to analyze your work and start to think about why you're posting and what you're posting. And the top nines will help for that reason. If people are looking at their top nines and saying, this is what I need to do more of because people like it. I think it's a very destructive tool. I don't think it's sustainable. I don't think it's a good idea. It's also just fun and it's okay to do things just for fun, but that's why I went through the whole thing and kind of became an Instagram evangelist during the top nine situation because, because I just don't want people to change who they are based on engagement. That stresses me out because you can't trust it. It's a, it is arbitrary. It is completely un, unimportant unless you are trying to actually make money from Instagram posts, then you better just post whatever they say, <laughs> whatever right. the algorithm likes. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a lot of wisdom there. And I think one of them that you mentioned is the setting. Well, you mentioned a lot, but going back to the piece where you were talking about trying to grow your account and the motivation behind it. And I, Mm -hmm. I know I've been there as well thinking if only I could get published and then I got published and I thought, huh, okay. 
I actually didn't grow my social media account from getting published. No, that doesn't do anything. (laughs) I didn't get, I got to say I was published, but I didn't actually, there was no concrete sort of monetary or any other outcome, I guess is the right word um, from getting published. But I also have thought I need to have this certain number in order to hit this next goal, which isn't related to the number, but I've been on Instagram. I don't even know what year, but I think since the beginning, since the time when people actually posted cell phone photos. And I remember going from the pressure of sharing on Flickr and sort of looking at the comparison piece in some of the photography forums I was a part of. And then now there was this platform where I could take a photo with my iPhone, which at the time was not very good in terms Mm -hmm. of the camera and the technology we've come so far and just post it because I liked it. And that was game changing until the game changed. All of a sudden nobody was posting iPhone photos anymore. And now it became a place for your portfolio. So I like the thought of analyzing the why behind what you're posting and what your goal is. And it's okay. I think for your goal to be, to grow your account, to hit another goal, as long as you know that that's what you're working towards and you're not placing value in your worth as a photographer on your numbers or on your engagement or on your likes, because Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. They're not, they're not all correlated. And sometimes there is no rhyme or reason to it. I'm not sure what time frame you had that bump in your engagement, but I know there was one place this summer where I opened the app and I had a thousand more followers than I usually do. And then about two weeks later, I mean, probably wasn't even that long. It was probably more like 24 hours they were all gone and it was back to the normal numbers again. Um, so there are glitches like that. And there are weird things that happen with the algorithm that we don't know about or how they're going to affect our account. And so the reminder to be posting what we love, because that's what we have to sustain. If you're mm-hmm. posting work for other people or you're posting work for likes or engagement, then you absolutely are not going to be able to sustain that long-term mm-hmm. yet. It can, it can be easy to get caught up in looking at what people respond to. I know I have, I know I've looked and thought, okay, well, that's what people like to see. So I should post more of that. Mm-hmm. Yet, like I mentioned before, I don't always film soup every role I shoot. <laughs> I don't <laughs> always shoot Kodak Ektar 100 at the beach on a sunny day with blue skies. Mm-hmm. There is more variety to my work. And so right now I'm actually trying to push myself to try to figure out how to start incorporating more variety to show that there is more, even though that color fun, sort of funky film stuff is what seems to do the best for me. Well, and it's fun to see. I mean, I do love those really, really beautiful, well-curated accounts that you just look at and everything's the same color and the same. I mean, they look gorgeous. They do. And if that's what makes you happy when you're posting, absolutely have that kind of consistency. You know what I mean? And also I do want to mention really quick that the way that I was posting before or the way I was shooting before with shooting for the themes and um, doing the loops and everything like that, there is a lot of value in that. I can't tell you how much growth I had during that time. Um, It was huge. Again, remember I was, I have been shooting since 2008, but I had this giant creative leap when I found Instagram. And I have this amazing community of people who are like-minded and are friends and are artists. And I wouldn't give that up. I'm glad that 
I'm glad I kind of went through that obsessive period, I guess, but I had to kind of come out the other side to, to see where I fit in and where I fit in. If you look at my feet is like total spastic, <laughs> like nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't look cohesive in the traditional sense. What I try to do is be cohesive in story. This is my other missionary moment for Instagram <laughs> followers that I always get on. IGTV or my stories and and preach is, you know, consistency does not have to be in color. If you are shooting what you love and you're being true to who you are, a black and white moody portrait can fit in right next to one of your, your daughter throwing confetti. To me there, it's the same story. It feels like the same photographer. It is the same photographer, right? That's, that's all me. And so I am trying to be consistent in, in that story. I, I have certain, um, oh, you know, if you've done anything with Jan Palmer, then you know about visual elements and um, your signature light and things like that. You know, she makes you analyze that kind of stuff. And, you know, I found when I did those kinds of exercises and when I do a lot of analyzation in any classes that I have been posting with my visual elements, my preferred visual elements and my preferred light and all of those things. Uh, consistently, that is consistently happening without me knowing it. As soon as I let go and just did whatever I wanted to do, that started happening. And so when I look at those top nine grids, and I say, do these look like me? Do they look the same? That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about do they have that story that, um, you know, my deep down uh, core story of the juxtaposition of two, two different things coexisting at the same time. To me, that means dark versus light. Um, So really contrasty light. I'm not going to post a lot of light and airy. That's just not going to happen because that's not part of my story. There is something really nice about a light and airy portrait though. I don't hate them. Um, but there is, but, but then if I don't have that light, there has to be that story in some other way. I am going to post some light leaks and then I'm going to post some that are just totally clean. As long as they have that story in there and I can feel it and I have the personal connection then I believe the consistency is there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is what kind of consistency do you want in your feet? Do you want it to look perfect and all the same exact tones? Do you want to put your kids in the same colors every time you go out so that you get that shot? I, I totally get it that you still get caught up in what respond, what people respond to. There are not a lot of shots of my teenage boys on my feet. They're there every now and then. But there aren't a lot. Number one, because they I don't don't shoot them as much. I just don't. But also, um, they they always look kind of you know they have they don't do their hair. They have their ugly shirts on. It's not the same quality of beautiful photo. But if I get a picture with the story of one of my boys, I'm gonna I'm gonna post it. I'm not gonna not post it just because it's not gonna do as well. So then you have to say, well, where do I fit? And this is, this is again, that same thing, like what's on my grid, what did well this year? Is it, am I being, am I, am I pandering to that? Or am I actually shooting what I, what I care about? Am I do, am I not going to take a picture of my seven-year-old because she's not going to do as well as a baby? Am I not going to take a picture of my 12-year-old because nobody, nobody is posting tweens in any of their hubs? I mean, I think that's crazy. My best shots are my 12-year-old. 
12 year old. So I am a 14 year old. So, and it's a boy, I'm a 14 year old boy. So I don't even have the twirly dresses and then right. the movement with the hair and the light. Um, but I have an adorable 14 year old who I love very much and who I do photograph yet. That's not typically what I share on Instagram because for me, one of the things like when you're talking about, do, do you see yourself in this while I do see mom as one of my roles. That's not how I use my photography anymore. I use it in a different way, trying to think of how to articulate it. But when I go out and when I'm looking at, when I'm looking at the world around me and I'm thinking about what fills me up and what brings me joy and why I want to pick up my camera and point it at something. um, Yes, that obviously is my family, but there are so many other things that catch my Mm -hmm. eye and, and have my attention. And I think that is a piece that goes back to what we were talking about before. You can be this and this, I can be a mom and want to photograph my son, but there can be other things that also bring me joy and landscape and the world that we live in and color and community. And some of those other pieces are things that I'm trying to capture as mm-hmm. well. So I like, I like how you talked about analyzing, are you showing up in your photos and are you showing up in your feed on Instagram? And what are those visual elements that you're looking for each time? I don't know that I'm consciously looking for particular visual elements. I'm maybe color and light would probably be the two things that I would typically be looking for. Even when I shoot black and white, I'm constantly thinking about the light and how it will look in the final frame, even in black and white, maybe even more so in black and white than with color. Needs to be. (laughs) You need to have the shadows and the light and the contrast in order for it to be a strong photo. I think yeah. so you've given me something to think about. I'm going to have to go back through and scroll. The other piece for me that's hard with, with that is that I don't post. I mean, I, I don't even know if I could say I post one tenth of what I shoot. I have so much that I haven't shared. I don't even know how I could go back through and share. I got a roll of 36 yesterday, a scan, uh, or it was scan day for non-film shooters. A roll of film developed and I got my scans and my email and it was a roll of 36 and I looked through them and I'll probably share one or two photos from that roll because I don't know how to get 36 photos out there into Instagram land. So there's also the part about the the quantity that's on Instagram versus Mm -hmm. the quantity that's in my total body of work. Right. So there's something with that too. Um, I can analyze Instagram, but that's just one piece of what I'm shooting and of my photography world. It's just one little, it's a, I think it's a useful little uh, snapshot. You know what I mean? Because you can look in your Lightroom catalog and get really overwhelmed. I I do go through my Lightroom catalog and put things in categories all the time. I mean, I'll I'll put tags on them. I don't actually put them into collections or anything like that. But there's from, for one class or another, there's always something you have to go through and look for. And I won't just look on Instagram for that because you're absolutely right. There's no way we could post everything. And there are some shots that I actually keep for myself, not because I don't want them posted necessarily, but just because I never find a good time. Like there has to be something said right with them. I don't want it to just go out there and just, and just die. I guess I know that seems backwards because if it's in my Lightroom catalog, it feels like the place where it would go to die, but I guess I'm looking for a special place for it. There are more venues um, or places to share our photography or our thoughts about photography or our images than just social media. There's, there are more places to publish besides Click and a few other, <laughs> the few little magazines that we're all kind of used to. And I think we need to explore those options and, and really think about, you know, getting outside of that bubble. I really do feel like it's a bubble. And I, I like the bubble. I like being in there. It's, <laughs> it's fun. 
but I can't let it be the, the driving factor for all of my work is, yes. is what it is. Yes. There's so much value, like you mentioned earlier in that community. And I know that there's a lot of community on social media. If you have joined up with a loop or if you have a DM going with people who are shooting something similar, the same genre or the same style, you have people to ask in a smaller setting. I think that using some of those tools to help us grow is really important, but I completely agree with you. There's so many other places where we can get value. I know one thing that I, from the outside looking in, when I look at what you put out there, I feel like you do a really good job with projects, with follow through on projects, with finishing projects, even if they're the small ones. Like, for example, you talked about, well, maybe that one night when I couldn't sleep at 1 a.m., I was going through and thinking about this and asking myself these questions. There's value, so much value in that reflection on our own work. And I think projects will help us narrow down and find that place where we want to grow and figure out what we can do to get that growth that we're looking for. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear a little bit more about either your little women project or your project 365 that you did on film last year, (laughs) or just, you know, anything maybe in that project world that you want to share or talk about with us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, projects, like you said, they can be any little thing. I find that a lot of projects come from when I'm doing classes. I'm, I'm, I'm always doing classes. I like to do them. I like to teach them. I feel like that community is a step kind of away from the social, but, but you get kind of more, more self-reflection. I'm a big self-reflection kind of person, as you can, as you can see, I like to do that analytical stuff, but my personal projects, I do want to say the very first personal project that I tried, I absolutely failed. And I, I actually hate the word fail. And we'll talk about that in a second, but I tried to do, all I tried to do is one day a month, do a day in the life. Just like, I actually called it a a camera day. So I just carried my camera around, mind you, what I was shooting at the time and still do when I, um, when I shoot digital is a Canon one DX. It's a massive piece of equipment, but I carried that thing around everywhere I went. I had it around in the house. I took it in the car, everything I did, but I was shooting digital. So I ended up with probably 1300 pictures that day that I had to cull down into like 300 pictures and then edit those 300. And then what do I do with those? I maybe pers- like maybe post 10 of them. I actually, the first time I did it, I put it into a book and that was also for a class. I had done documentary styles. And so I didn't get to change lights or anything. It was all complete observation. And so that was a really cool project and I loved it. And I thought, yeah, let's do this once a month. And then the next month I did it and it was very difficult. <laughs> and it turned out very differently. And then I never did it again. We did not get to March on that project. And I kind of did feel like a failure, but here's the thing that I found out. Nobody noticed that I did not complete that project. Not a single soul. Nobody cares (laughs) except me. And it wasn't being a good opportunity for growth. So I let that one go because I got what I wanted to get out of it. I got that one day that was uh, trying a different style, like complete documentary. I, the next one that I did in February was actually a really important one. Cause it was a hard day in the world. Like there was a, there was a shooting. And so 
the, that day was kind of about processing that there's just a lot of really good that came out of it. And I don't have to feel like it was a failure, but I don't have to think that I needed to continue it just to finish it. But I do really love projects. I, and I, I started a 365. I always, always, always resisted them when I was shooting digital. And number one reason was I was shooting every day anyway. And so it didn't matter to me if I shot one specific shot and then posted it somewhere and said, here are my shots for the whole year, because I was picking up my camera anyway. That was not the motivation. There was no actual motivation for me to have that project. It wasn't going to help me grow in any way. When I decided to do my actual 365 is when I was shooting film and I'd been shooting it for, I don't know, maybe six or eight months. And I was starting to do clients on film. And I didn't, I was a little bit nervous about it still. So I always brought my digital camera and I never really loved any of my digital shots. I always loved my film shots. I don't know why I just kept, you know, trying to juggle both. And so I thought to myself, it's all just about confidence. If you believe that you will get the shot in one shot, then you will do fine in a client shoot just with film. So I'm going to do a 365 where I get to take one shot. That's it. I'm going to get out my little dumb Canon Rebel <laughs> 2000 and I'm going to look at the story and the light and the whatever. And I'm going to get the story in one shot, not three or four and choose one, just one. And sometimes it'll be a fail and sometimes it won't, but then you'll learn from that because sometimes that first year I shot and then looked down at my settings and went, Oh no, Oh no. I totally underexposed that. <laughs> But I kind of, you know, sometimes I'd say, I'll just take it over. It's fine. And sometimes I said, nope, let it be crappy. Let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens with that underexposed shot. And it was always a learning experience. And I did find out that I had 90% keepers. And my confidence did completely skyrocket in my um, personal work and in my session work. And I also found out that I can kind of not even care in my personal work and it mostly turns out. And so I started shooting on aperture priority at home and I just, you know, I, I let it just kind of be fun and let my pictures be imperfect. That project was huge for me for letting go of perfection, for building confidence and all of that stuff. Is the collection of the 365 important to me? Not really. I didn't ever post it in any specific place. I have like the little calendar that I post and I like those calendars. I think they're fun because I'm an organized person in that way. <laughs> but they, again, nobody's looking at them except me. And I, and then, so I'm going to do it because I like looking at them. They're fun, but I never have printed them out or anything like that. They're just living in my little, um, in my little highlights and in Instagram, that's where they, that's where they are. So that one has been great. And I have found that it has taken on a life of its own. I can't stop it. I, I have tried and I, I can't make myself stop. I just, I have a routine now. I take the picture, I write it down in my planner, what I wrote, what I took that day. And if I take like three or four days and not shoot, then I just catch up. And then I write it down, like use this day for these days. And that's that I just, it just has taken on a life of its own. And I love what I'm getting from it. So there has been a habit. There's something to, there is something about just showing up, creating a routine, creating that habit, but being flexible inside of that routine or else you can't sustain it. And that is my, that's my, always my number one, my number one thing for projects is do the work, do the work and the planning and the organization, and that will help motivate you to actually get it done. But the main motivation has to be 
whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. It can't just be posting. <laughs> I've, I've found that that's, that's never a, it's, it's fear because posting is fear-based. Anything that you, anytime you use fear as a motivator, it is not going to work. It has to be love in some capacity. So I wanted to build confidence so that I could love my photography more and love the, the act of shooting that moment, not necessarily scan day, but the actual moment where I take the shot. That's what I wanted to love. I didn't want there to be fear in that moment. So that's what, how the 365 helped me. Um, my, so my 52 weeks project, this has been my biggest project ever. 52 rolls, I should say. And it, this is just regular personal project. So I decided to shoot one roll a week. And I, I, in my brain kind of thought, well, I do that anyway. <laughs> I shoot way too much. I can just use my 365 sometimes for the, this was, I shot all this in my week. You know, I just shot extra, but I decided instead, um, as I was brainstorming my ideas and brainstorming is a great idea. If you do morning pages, such a great way to brainstorm ideas for projects, but I decided to just make a list. I have my planner. That's like my Bible. And in my planner, I wrote a giant list of every kind of theme you could think about that I would love to focus on different colors, using a strobe, um, minimalism, using different stocks, every kind of thing. And I, I just said, I'll just look at that at the beginning of the week and choose which one I'm going to do. And then by Sunday, I'll make sure I get it done. But Sunday is like my shooting day. If I don't get it done, I'm going to do it on Sunday. And some days were, some Sundays were very stressful because I had, to, <laughs> I had to get it done. But other days I was like up in a, in the Canyon on a field trip with my kids. And we took a whole roll there and I said, Oh, that works for this week. And now it's done. And so I don't have to worry about it. So sometimes, you know, that same thing, I had a framework. I knew exactly when I was going to get things kind of done by, but I had some flexibility. Oh, I missed this week. Or this role didn't work out because the lab actually lost it or whatever. There's, you know, there are times when things don't work out. So then I have to have that flexibility or else you just get stalled. I think the, the main thing with that project that was the hardest was the posting. I made little Instagram or IGTV videos, slideshows of each week. And that was hard to keep up, <laughs> but it also motivated me to finish all the way. And the thing that I learned from that project is sometimes I hated my roles and I didn't want to share them, but I did anyway. But because I showed up, um, there was one role in particular I had in my head that I wanted to do a role of blue. I had exactly what I wanted to do and involved strobe and fairy lights and a blue scarf and all sorts of weird things. Like it was a big, it was going to be a big production. And I was just doing a roll of 16 and I could not find anything I needed. I couldn't find the fairy lights. I couldn't find the strobe. I couldn't find the backdrop I was going to use. Nothing, nothing, nothing was, was coming together. And I was getting really stressed out. And I was just like, I'm not supposed to be stressed out here. I don't want to like, it's not worth it. I can do that shot anytime. I don't, or that shoot anytime. I don't have to do it this day on this at this time, but I wanted to get it done because it was close to the end of the year. It was like roll 49. <laughs> and I was like, I've just got to finish. And I had, for some reason said I would do yellow, red, you know, I wanted to do primary colors. I don't know. It, there was a weird thing. I told you I have a weird organization thing in my head. So I was, I wanted to finish this. And so I just said, Oh my word, just forget it. We're about to lose the light. I'm just going to grab my fog machine. I don't know, whatever. So I grabbed my fog machine, go into my little gym. Um, that's basically a garage. And I grabbed my daughter and I just started shooting. I couldn't find my, my light meter. So I'm using 
just my internal meter on my Pentax. I, every possible thing could go wrong here, but I said, Nope, I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to show up. I'm going to see what happens if I shoot this role, because what's the worst that can happen. I'm going to lose 25 bucks or whatever from, <laughs> from the shooting and developing of this role of film. Who cares? And about 10 minutes of time with my daughter. Right. So I just shot the role. And um, one of those shots was the shot that got 2000 likes. And it was probably, I don't, I don't want to put place any um, emphasis on that, but what I'm trying to say is it was one of my best roles. It was like probably my favorite of the year. It, it got five or six shots that I think are phenomenal. And it was just because I showed up. Did I feel totally in the zone right then? No, I didn't. And did everything work out the way I was hoping? No, but I still said, nope, I'm just going to do this role because who cares? And I have, I've let go of that fear of failure so much, you know, so long ago, I also have to learn how to let go of my own expectations. I had expectations for this shot, for this shoot. And I was excited about it, but it wasn't working out, you know? So I had to let it go. And I was rewarded for that <laughs> flexibility with something that I absolutely love. I don't care how it did on Instagram. I am personally so pleased with how it came out. I think there's so much value in thinking about having a framework and having a structure, but then allowing yourself the freedom to say, I got what I needed out of that mm -hmm. and I'm going to stop. That doesn't make it a failure, but it just means that I'm ready to move on to the next thing and then creating the next thing. I think that when I listened, when I was listening to you talk about the role a week and you said, I probably shoot that anyway, I've actually had that thought. Because I, I feel like I come close to a roll a week, if not a roll a week anyway, mm -hmm. but I've never set any kind of structure behind it. That's just sort of how I tend to shoot because I work a Monday through Friday, sort of traditional 40 hour a week job. The weekends is when I shoot a lot. And that's when I tend to be going on my walks or I'm out at the beach or I'm outside. That's when I want to pick up my camera. That's time I find for myself. It's a de-stressor for me, but I don't often have a lot of structure or goals in mind. I just sort of go out to see what I find. So I actually think I need to use some of your tips myself and make a list and add a little bit more structure to those roles. And I think that's going to help me grow because I have been thinking lately how to figure out like what areas I want to grow in and how I can push myself. And I think that can be hard when you've mastered the technical piece of photography to continue to figure out ways to grow and ways to push yourself and ways to continue to find your voice and really define it and hone in or allow it to change. I've been shooting for a really long time. And while I think there are some threads through all of my work going back to the beginning, there's also been a lot of change as I've grown and changed as a person and as I've experienced things. So I just loved what you said about the structure and the framework, yet the flexibility and allowing yourself to just sort of be able to let go when you're done, when you're done, you're done and move on to the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. And motivation. When I was preparing for this podcast, I, I was trying to kind of think, because I knew we were going to talk a lot about projects. What do I really want to say? And these were the main things. It was doing the work before the work, basically give yourself some, a lot of preparation and a lot of, so that you don't get caught up in this, like, oh no, oh no, oh no. It's the last week. I haven't, I don't have any ideas. So you give yourselves, you give yourself that idea at the beginning, all the ideas in the world that you could think of so that you have something to grab, but then have that total flexibility and total grace for yourself. I, I do not believe in guilt 
in any way being part of art. I used to do a lot of art journaling and I said the same thing there. There's no place for guilt in journaling. There's, if you're mad that you missed a day or whatever, or you're feeling like, oh, I failed. That is just, that is, that's what's going to fail. That's how you're going to fail. It's not that you didn't show up and do it that day. It's that you have this idea that now I failed because I've missed a day. It's never going to help. That fear is never going to help. So yes, the work, like the, the, the structure and then the flexibility, those things working together. This is another thing I learned as an autism mom. You got to have both of those things. (laughs) You have all of your schedules and then be willing to throw them completely away. And so that's how I feel about photography and art as well. But also the motivation, there has to be a better motivation than everybody's doing it. (laughs) That's, that's just FOMO, right? We cannot have, that can be a good motivator to, you know, kick in the pants to get started, I think. FOMO. <laughs> like that's kind of how I started with film was everyone's doing it. I want to try it. I'll just try it, you know, but then my motivation to continue shooting film was completely different. It actually saved my life. That's my motivation. <laughs> it saved my creative life, say, but also my relationship with my family, my relationship with social media, <laughs> all of those things were, I think, saved because of film bringing back the love of the shooting and not the love of the posting or the love of the the final product. It all working together for me is what really helped. So the motivation for my 52 roles project was to stretch myself creatively or also really hone in. You talked about the technical stuff. I do feel confident in the technical stuff, but I don't feel like a master. And I definitely don't feel like I've mastered all forms of things that I'd like to be good at. I really would like to get better at strobe, or I really would like to get better at seeing minimalism. I would love to focus on light for one week. I just am going to look, I'm going to have my camera out. I'm not going to do it all on one day. And I'm just going to let light be my entire subject. And so I call that one, the light study and not that light isn't always present in all of my roles, but when you make it the subject, it's a different feeling. So just having that to just grab from it, putting, putting limitations on what you're shooting is so, is such a huge way to grow. I think you've talked about that on this podcast before, but it doesn't limit what you're doing. It makes you grow inside those limits. It's, it stretches you a lot more than just having an infinite open-ended, you can shoot whatever you want. (laughs) Yes, it, it is. It is. And it's important to stop and reflect on and think about when you're creating those projects for yourself and you're not just choosing what everybody else is doing. Like you said, there's benefit in that. If it gets you kind of going and gets you gets, gets the momentum to move forward and and choose something, but also really thinking, is this going to help me with my goals? So tell us a little bit about the little women project. One has been hard for me because it's like my number one project that I love, but it's, it's a project that is open-ended. And so because I don't have those little limitations, it's been um, a lot harder to do. The main thing about it is I want to take a lot of pictures. Really, I have interviews. I have, you know, just a lot of ways of, we do some art journaling, all of this stuff to really get into who each queen girl is. So the very first one that I did, I took my daughter and some of her friends to Moab where Zion's National Park is. And we spent just a couple days. And like I said, we were art journaling. I did interviews with each of them. I had some formal portraits. We went out and did some like epic sunset shots. We had some fun hiking pictures. We did um, all this kind of stuff. And at the end of it, I felt like I had this amazing little picture of how completely different 
each of these girls were, even though they grew up in the same place, in the same socioeconomic environment, same religion, even they're so very similar in so many ways, but completely different. And how each of them is dealing with that idea of holding on to childhood and also being either scared of or excited about adulthood. It's just such an interesting little time. And so I have done a lot of that. I also have turned it into a um, a retreat for mom photographers to bring their daughters. And I, of course, COVID happened. So I, I still went through with one of them, but only two of the moms came. It's always going to be a small retreat, but there was just three of us, but four girls, because one mom brought two. And that was just amazing to see how you know, the relationship between the moms and, and their daughters, and especially from a photography standpoint and how your relationship especially during this age is so important if they have grown up in front of the lens. I mean, it is a thing I think we all worry about and something that also can bring us really closer together. So that part of it is huge for me. And I actually have a Facebook group for people who buy my little guide. I have a little women guide um, for photographers to do this project with their own daughters. My dream for this project was to travel around and get different girls everywhere. And again, COVID has <laughs> made that sort of impossible, which again, because there are these limitations has grown into an even bigger idea, which is what if I had other photographers do that legwork for me? What if I took that little women um, guide basically that I have given to other photographers in this group that and community that I've kind of made around people who are trying to capture this age group? What if I turned this into a collaboration that that was a book or was a giant project? I don't know. It just got me really excited. But again, it's one of those things that I just keep thinking about and writing about and I just haven't followed through with, but I I know it's going to happen little, little bits at a time. I keep adding pieces to it that I think, oh, I really couldn't have done it without this part during COVID this year. I learned video and I, I was asked to do a workshop about video. So I have that. Um, it wasn't a failure because what it did was allow me to see that this is the piece I was missing of the little women project that I needed to have. And also for my own personal sessions that I'm going to be doing in my studio, that is part of it that I need to have. I've been so focused on analog film that I didn't let myself put, put that part into play. So while it felt like I was stalled on my little women project, I added pieces along the way. And I, I see that happening as long as I keep kind of keeping it opening, but it's, so it's in the works, it's in the works. And some of it I have finished, you know, so we did get that, that guide finished and I did get that community going. So, you know, that project is super, super special to me. I, I really want it to grow. I want it to be a collaboration. I want more people to do it because it's not about me and what I can tell about these girls, what I want it to be is about the girls. I want it to, I, I would love to reach more places than I could ever get. I need other photographers to get in on that, or I want to inspire other people to see their tweens in a new way, or to tell their stories in a new way, or to connect with them. And so that all works together. And I, I want to have that be a, a thing that I can share and that we can all work on together. It's a good example of how not all projects have an end time when you start them. Sometimes mm -hmm. you have that idea and it needs to sort of sit and simmer and be around long enough for you to add in all of those pieces so that you can really see what it can become. And, and I think it's a great example of how you can start with one idea and then as it grows, you continue to add to it. And in the end, it might become something that you never could have imagined at the beginning, which is what 
it sounds like is happening for you right now. There's a lot of different directions you could take it. And as you add those pieces together, there's that really inspiring part about thinking about what it could become, Mm -hmm. even if you have to let go of some of that. Right. That usually is what happens. Like I have an idea, (laughs) you know, and I get really excited and I tell like a person about it. You know, I've got like my, my photography peeps that I text, you know what I mean? And I'll be like, you guys, you guys, I have an idea. (laughs) And I get really excited about it. And then I start not being able to not tell everyone. When I do, when I do let that go, it always becomes something so much bigger. So there's so much more to a project than just what I can bring to it. If there's a bigger idea and and it can be helped by bringing other people into it, then I want to be excited about that. My newest project is actually one of those, um, which is the Thousand Words Project. It's very easy and short to explain. But it's basically that I'm supposed to choose a hundred pictures of my own work that I think are the best or the most that I'm, that I'm most connected to. And then I'm just going to write about them. I'm going to do just a timed writing or a, um, like my three pages in my morning pages that I'm already doing, but I do it about that picture. And after I've really written about it and it can be about the technical or beautiful part of it or the shooting part of it and how I felt while I was doing that, or it could be anything I feel about the photo. And then in the end, after I've done my three pages of writing, I'm going to choose 10 words out of that. It can be a sort of a poem or it can be a list or it can be a sentence, but just 10 words. And then I'm going to paste that picture into a notebook with the 10 words underneath. So if I do 10 words for those hundred pictures at the end of the year, I will have this notebook with a thousand words. And again, because I'm like a nerd this way, I love the the idea that it's kind of like a picture is worth a thousand words, you know, picture paints a thousand words. So that's the idea behind it that I just want to have that thousand words. And of course, when I started talking about it to other people, because then I thought, oh, when I do this, I'm going to have all these amazing ideas. It's going to like give me this, this like insight into my life that's going to be so deep and, and, you know, just amazing. And I'm for sure going to write a book about it and everyone's going to love it. And it's just going to be the thing. Like, these are my ideas and my grandiose plans in my head. And I start talking to other people about it. And then I start going, hey, other people should do this with me. We should have a community where we talk about it together. Oh my word, what if we had a publication? What if I had a what if I had a magazine and it was like quarterly and we had a 25 people with 10 words for each picture and each one. And then at the end of the year, we had a thousand words of a hundred different photographers. It would be amazing. I mean, all of this starts going in my head. And then I do kind of go, but wait, no, it was going to be me. It was going to be my book. <laughs> It was going to be my thing. And then I was like, no, it can be so much more. And so I already put this on Instagram and already said, I'm going to make these groups. And I, and I already have these ideas. I'm really excited about it, mostly as a collaborative project, because while it would have been kind of cool to make it my own little thing and my own little book, how much cooler would it be to have that about so many photographers and like their very best or favorite work. I just think that would be the most amazing thing and such a self-reflective thing to do with a community that gets you to look deep inside and also find that in someone else. I feel like it would be super inspirational. I like it much better as a collaborative project. Well, and I think it can still be yours. It's still, you can still have your book and you'll still have your words and your photos. And it also gets to be a collaborative and it gets to inspire other people to reflect and dig deeper. It's so interesting for me to hear you talk about it that way, because I feel like when I think of the ideas, I think as creatives, 
it's not unusual for all of us just to be brainstorming all of these things that we want to take on and we want to do and have ideas. I'm the same way. I don't think I'm as organized about writing them down as it sounds like you are. I think, <laughs> Gotta get a planner. <laughs> I think most of them live in my head, but um, I find I tend to want to reach out and I want to bring people on with me and I don't want to do it by myself. I want to get that community and I want to have people to talk to and I want to have people to do it with. And so I'm reflecting just even in this moment back on a lot of my bigger photography projects and they have been collaborations and they have been group projects. So maybe I need to reflect and come up with something that is just mine. That is just what I'm doing. I absolutely love the idea of having those pictures and reflecting on them and coming up with the words and seeing where that leads. I feel like there's like this open door for where that could go. Yes. Yes. Like I really don't know what will happen. Maybe, maybe it will be kind of silly, but I doubt it. I just feel like showing up and doing that work is going to open some doors. Like you said, it's, that was the biggest thing for me that was like, when I thought of the idea, I just went, this is going to be bigger than I think, you know, like you just get that feeling like something's going to come from this. And I don't mean bigger in fame or in, (laughs) you know what I mean? In attention. I mean, bigger for me, it's going to really get me to see what I love about what I'm doing and what's worth continuing and what it tells me about myself. Every time I do something where there's a bigger self self reflection, there's always this piece that goes back to what I've always been doing or what I've always felt. It always comes back to that really deep place if you let it. And I feel like this one is just one that's going to let it happen. It's just going to open those doors left and right. And I do want to share that. And and I do want to mention, um, you can have a project that is yours, but you still want other people to do. For example, my kids in a line project. <laughs> that is putting my children in a line every Sunday and taking a picture. It's literally one shot. This is the whole project. That's it. My oldest is 19. He was supposed to move out this year. Had this kind of panic like, oh, this is the last year we're all going to be together. I actually got the idea from John Camless because I bought his Finding Meaning PDF about personal projects. And I always laugh about this because men... Men photographers, whenever they talk about personal projects or personal work, the first thing they do is write like it's a big revelation. You can photograph your own family. (laughs) That's always their first big, big idea is like, I started taking pictures of my kids. And I always just laugh so hard, like, duh, that's how we all got started. (laughs) This is why a woman picks up her, her camera in the first place. And So I kind of was making fun of John. I hope he hears this and laughs about it. But um, I was kind of making fun of him for like, yeah, oh, big idea, John. You took a picture of your kids. But actually the way he described it and just the way he shoots is just line them up and take a shot. So that was inspiring to me. So jokes on me, actually, after I made fun of him, because I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to line them up. We're just going to I'm not even going to make them smile. I'm not even going to tell him when I'm taking the picture. And I thought that would just be kind of funny, but it turned into this awesome, amazing thing. And what also happened is that the kids end up being together (laughs) at some point every Sunday and then they stay together and like talk and play games and do stuff. And so it became this super amazing thing in my life just to line up my kids once a day. And, you know, there was always this groan because I always just yelled downstairs or whatever. It's time for a picture. And then they get kind of annoyed. And then it takes one 
literally one minute, one shot and they take off again. And it just, it's been my, I think it's my number one favorite project of all time. And I just did that for me. Is it going to take away anything if everyone else in the world does that? Absolutely not. That doesn't take away from my project. I stole it from John, right? So (laughs) I love it that everyone can do it. I love it when we can, but you know, there's something special about a collaboration, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be uniquely yours and very personal, I guess. And simple. That's a great example too. a great illustration of not every project has to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, Mm -hmm. a lot of prep, a lot of work. You literally can pick something as simple as one subject, once a week, one shot. Done. Yeah. And and it maybe each shot isn't in and of itself a masterpiece, but when you line them all up together and you have that over time, I think that's when you really can see the meaning come through yeah. in those kind of projects. Absolutely. And and the funny thing is then it was such a special project that I didn't want it to just sit somewhere. I never was posting it anywhere, but I didn't want it to just you know, even just turning it into an album didn't feel like enough for me. And this is another thing where opening yourself up to trying a lot of stuff and trying new things like the video, for example, because I did that video workshop, it was actually about voiceover and video. I have all the equipment for voiceover. So I thought, Hey, (laughs) instead of just having a slideshow of these 52 pictures, I actually have way more than that because I don't believe in actual rules. I said, why don't I interview my kids and we'll just use my little Tascam lav mic and I'll interview my kids just about everything that happened this year. It was a very interesting year. And I'll use that as voiceover over the slideshow. And then I took a little video of my kids also and did it at the beginning of the end of the video. And I put that together and I have made a lot of videos. Um, I always have to say videos instead of films because film gets very confusing in the (laughs) analog film world. But I've made a lot of videos that are very important and personal to me that I worked really hard on and um, little women videos and ones about my kids or ones about art and all of those things. But this little video that's basically a glorified slideshow is so much more meaningful to me than any of those other things. Yeah, it was a year long project that just took maybe a couple hours to put together into something that was so much more than just, yeah, the pictures are not great. None of them are amazing. None, not a single one. But together, it's, it's probably the most important thing I've done. I love that. I think that's a great place for us to stop um, <laughs> on that sweet note. It's the, it's the collection. It's the collection of the people who you love the most. So tell everyone where they can find all about your projects, all about everything you're doing, where they can find you online, because I know that people are going to be looking for more inspiration from you. Oh, I hope so. I hope they come and find me and give me some more followers. I'm just joking. (laughs) You know, I care about that, right? So I am on Instagram as Blue Hill Images. Also, bluehillimages.com is my website. It is very client-based right now. It's going to get a giant overhaul and still be client-based, but much more portrait-y based. But I do have a blog and I do post some of my 
projects there. There's IGTV on my Instagram that has a lot of my videos and my, um, and my, all of my 52 roles, but that's where you can find me. And I think that's it. If somebody wanted to look into your video workshop or your little women project or the click and moms breakout, are those still up somewhere? Can they find that from your blog or from Instagram? Um, yes. So, um, my breakout is still in the click and coast store. It's called slow your roll. It says film film secrets for the digital shooter. So if you're wanting to get started on analog film, there's a whole guide for getting started on that. And also on school portraits, which is, you know, 90% of how I make actual money, but it also is really great for just learning how to slow down and take less shots and think about more what you're doing. Even if you're shooting digital, my little women guide is available through my website. So you just go to the four photographers part. And um, if I ever get to do another little women retreat, that's where you would sign up for that as well. Um, my video workshop, which is actually a really great workshop, is on um, is on the Everyday Film School. So um, it's a great, a really great film school that you can just you can do a membership and then have access to all of the workshops, including mine, um, and just have it as long as you want to, and then cancel or whatever. So that's a good place to go as well. Thank you for asking about those. Yes, yes, we want to make sure to link everybody up. Okay, Cammie, thank you so much for joining me. This was an awesome, awesome conversation. And I'm definitely feeling left inspired to, well, before I get my camera out, get my notebook out and start making some lists. <laughs> start putting pen to paper. It really helps me out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me so much. I've really enjoyed the podcast. It, it keeps me going through my workout. Yeah, I love hearing that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode seven of the Creative Frame podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cami and it left you feeling inspired to pick up your camera. If it did, please share this episode with a friend or leave a review wherever you're listening to your podcast. Thanks so much.